Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to another exciting episode of Carving the Divine TV. My name is Yujiro Seki. I'm a director, writer, and the producer of the documentary Carving the Divine. Carving the Divine is about Buddhist sculptors of Japan, and I'm ready to present it for the first time in the world. But before I do so, I thought it would be a great idea to introduce basic concept of Buddhism and the history of Buddhism so that when you guys finally watch, watch my documentary, you guys can watch it at the maximum value. So today, I am going to talk about the uh, Nichiren Shu. Uh, Nichiren Buddhism has been very challenging for me and the challenge for the, uh, challenging for the audience because there are a lot of, lot of information out there and sometimes uh, it's uh, very difficult for uh, somebody like me, ordinary person to actually consolidate all the information and digest it and uh, uh, take it into myself. So uh, today I have a perfect person who can talk about the uh, uh, Nichiren Shu, uh, you know, the Buddhist practitioner. I'm very excited. So uh, I would love to introduce to you uh, Reverend Kanjin Sidaman. Welcome, welcome. Hi, thank you very much for having me and bringing your great energy to this uh, question and discussion. Thank you. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I know in your community, everybody knows about you, but mm. just in case, uh, for the people who don't know anything about you, please introduce yourself. Well, my name is uh, Reverend Kanjin Siderman. I am the head priest of the Seattle uh, Choizan Enkyoji Nichiren Buddhist Temple here in Seattle. And also, uh, I am one of the founder, I'm the founder of the Enkyoji Buddhist Network, uh, that helps to teach Nichiren Buddhism uh, across the world. So we have sanghas and temples uh, all across the world. And uh, especially uh, we have in Rochester, New York and Buffalo, New York as well. So lots of temples and uh, I'm here in Seattle and my focus of study within Buddhism is the concept of health and wellness uh, within the teachings of Buddhism and under the auspices of Nichiren Shu. Wonderful. Thank you for the great introduction. So uh, I want to dig, uh, I'm going I'm to go that right into the question. Sure. So what is Nichiren Shu? And what is the core teaching of Nichiren Shu? Please tell us. So Nichiren Shu is a really fascinating uh, idea because a lot of times, this is where a lot of misunderstanding happens. Nichiren Shu is of course, the historical branch, I call it the historical branch of Nichiren Buddhism because it's based on the historical places and historical, uh, actual physical teachings and manuscripts of Nichiren shown in, in the form of his letters. That's what they base everything on. So some schools base it on uh, letters and that, that have not been verified, but Nichiren Shu specifically goes on verifiable information. That's one of the main differences. And also it's important to know Nichiren Shu has a, a wide variety of different uh, traditions. So Nichiren Shonen himself had six different disciples of all different characters and different backgrounds and different ideas. So ultimately when he passed away and which Nichiren Shonen did not pick a specific uh, successor, they all were his, success his successors just like we are. And they all went and taught and did uh, and expounded the Buddhism and Nichiren Buddhism in their own way. Hence, we have now so many different lineages and traditions. 
And Nichiren Enshu is seen like a, as an umbrella, that the umbrella is actually the established uh, tradition of Nichiren Buddhism. So the majority of Nichiren groups fall under Nichiren Shu, which is based on some very specific and simple concepts in which they all agree. There are some smaller sects that are outside of it because they don't fall into this category or they have a totally different uh, belief system, which is not based on uh, this historical concept. So the first one is that they base their life, the, the foundation of Nichiren Shu Buddhism is based on the example of the Lotus Sutra as personally experienced by Nichiren Shonen. So specifically, the life experience and the manifestation of the Lotus Sutra it, by Nichiren Shonen's life, which is what makes him so important, is the main precept of Nichiren Shu Buddhism specifically. The second is that we put our faith in the eternal Buddha, Shakyamuni, who is the true teacher of wisdom and compassion for all beings. So as we go into the part about the Lotus Sutra, the eternal Buddha is the Buddha of chapter 16 of the Lotus Sutra, in which is expounded and taught that the Buddha existed since time immemorial and that Buddha nature has always existed and is a potential found in all beings. And also, uh, which we'll talk about later, the true concept, the true thinking of the Buddha, which he reveals in the Lotus Sutra. And three, we train ourselves to attain Buddhahood by upholding Namu Myoho Rengi Kyo, both in action and spirit. So the main concept of upholding, when we say Namu Myoho Rengi Kyo, we mean the great title, but we also mean upholding the Lotus Sutra specifically. Uh, and that that is really interesting because within Nichiren Shu, there are, are some variable variables of which parts of the sutra people uphold and the the last one the the next one is uh, our teacher nichiren shonen who vowed to cultivate buddha nature of all people and create the land of the buddha world so that means this world is the eternal buddha land that's what we believe as expounded in the lotus sutra that this world uh, is the place of Buddhist practice. And that, that was one of Nichiren Shonen's main concepts, is that what made Nichiren Shonen so interesting was that his life was 100%, not 99.1%, 100% based on the Lotus Sutra and the practice of that. And then number five, the, uh, we are the Buddha's children and we will live together uh, peacefully with all people in this, our search for the truth. It's interesting because a lot of times people think Nichiren Buddhists and, and are scared of Nichiren Buddhists. I, I study and practice and, and uh, with many other teachers. You talk to Meido Sensei, one of my very good friends, uh, who's a Ninzai priest. And it's fascinating to see how scary people, uh, many people, especially some Japanese, are scared of Nichiren Buddhists as like these kind of extremists. And uh, of course, like any tradition, we've had our extremists. However, uh, you know, Nichiren Shu is really fascinating because it doesn't necessarily criticize other Buddhisms. Uh, it actually works together with them, okay. which some smaller schools would are, are against Nichiren Shu because they consider them sellouts in that way. But actually, Nichiren Shonen students uh, and that had worked with other traditions of Buddhism. Nichiren Shonen was a Tendai priest. And even for many years after Nichiren Shonen, many Nichiren Buddhists still studied Tendai, which is considered like the mother of Nichiren Buddhism. And so therefore, 
it's really fascinating because this misunderstanding about Nichiren Buddhists being, uh, as I said, when I was a monk, the only run-in I had with Nichiren Buddhists was basically them telling me that I didn't understand Buddhism and that, you know, there's the false Buddhism and then there's the real Buddhism. And they kind of play or pretend to be like Nichiren Shonen as if they understand Nichiren Shonen. I'm not Nichiren Shonen and I don't claim to understand or uh, I speak for Nichiren Shonen. However, Nichiren Shonen's life, uh, he was a very kind, compassionate person, very strong, in which he debated other schools, but he debated priests. That's an interesting thing. And with other practitioners, he was extremely, extremely kind. Uh, and it's really fascinating because when you look at Nichiren Shonen, he wrote letters, lots of letters to lay people. And they kept them. And the most especially, which is another important character of Nichiren Shonen, is women letters to women. Uh, one of the big parts of the Lotus Sutra is also the idea of the enlightenment of women. Uh, as you can see in, in a lot of traditions of Buddhism, women are not allowed to do a lot of things. There are even some mountains in Japan, uh, you know, women cannot climb, right? So this was a challenge. So Nichiren Buddhism inspired women and all, all people, especially those even in eco, uh, economic hardship, etc., to come up under the guise of the Lotus Sutra and Namu Myoho Renge Kyo and change their lives through practice and, and faith. So these basic tenets, I, I, there's so much misunderstanding that in saying Nichiren Shu, um, there's such a variety, which is what I enjoy about it, because when you study, as I was saying, each part, each tradition holds an important aspect of Nichiren Shonen's teaching and character. And I really love to see how they come together in the form of the Federation Nichiren Shu, uh, which is important that, to understand that Nichiren Shu headquarters is in Tokyo at Ikegami Temple. Uh, that is the administrative headquarters. But our spiritual headquarters is at Mount Minobu in Yamanashi Prefecture in Japan, where Nichiren Shonen is buried. So that is very important to understand Nichiren Shu as the kind of, I think of it as the historical uh, tradition based on uh, very basic truths with that Nichiren Shonen was very specific about. And those traditional sects came together. Now there are uh, as I said, many differences, but they work together within the tradition. So now we get to talk about the Lotus Sutra. So, mm. so I know that Lotus Sutra is the most important thing as far as a, that I have heard of. But what what is the Lotus Sutra anyway? Well, that's a really good question because again, Lotus Sutra is uh, a really like if you look at in all of Asia, especially China, Korea, Japan, the Lotus Sutra is seen as this really interesting sutra that when I first read it, I was really impressed because it drove me crazy because like most Buddhist sutras, they would tell you how to practice and what to practice, etc. But the Lotus Sutra was this really magnificent story and also uh, event uh, that is chronicled in the Lotus Sutra in which the Buddha shows uh, his essence. So therefore, essence, as you know, is a lot e more difficult to grasp than just information or uh, rules. So a lot of sutras would give rules, but the Lotus Sutra for me was especially 
fascinating uh, because of the essence. And then again, that essence, which again says that there is the historical Buddha, but that actually we think about the Buddha passed away 2,500 years ago. But in chapter 16, it speaks on the eternal Buddha. And that eternal Buddha is, has always existed and is always existing in our lives and in ourselves, which shows that Buddhism has relevance at any time, at any place. And this is what Nichiren and Shonen uh, focused on. Now, of course, to, to understand, Nichiren and Shonen was in many ways being orthodox. So he always attributes his teaching back to Grandmaster Tiantai in ancient China. And of course, as you know, in Japan, uh, Saicho, who was uh, the founder of Tendai in Japan. Uh, Nichiren Shonen was very uh, impressed with those teachers. But the one thing that he realized was that in order to uh, understand Buddhism, you have to live Buddhism. And that was living the essence of the Lotus Sutra. So the Lotus Sutra actually has so many wonderful teachings. The two basic teachings are, uh, the two important chapters in Nichiren Buddhism are chapter two, which teaches expedience. So when you look at all the other teachings of Buddhism, a lot of times people separate them. But what the Lotus Sutra says is that the Buddha looks uh, how to best teach people according to the time, the place, the person's capacity, etc. And so all of them are expediential teachings. And that in reality, we as humans always distinguish there are two vehicles or three vehicles or four vehicles that all these different schools of Buddhism, but the Buddha unites them into one vehicle. So the Lotus Sutra is seen as the one vehicle teaching in which it brings all the teachings together. And then in chapter 16, which is the other significant part of this, the Lotus Sutra for Nichiren Buddhists, the Buddha teaches his eternal nature. He says that I have always been here because the enlightenment of the Buddha is not just the person. It is an essence, and that essence is found within the essence of the Lotus Sutra. That is what Nichiren Shonen uh, believed and understood, and that's what he upheld throughout his entire life. Mm. In that essence, uh, the Lotus Sutra is the most important thing, I believe. Yes, that's why he, uphold, he upheld the uh, Daimoku, Namu Myoho Renge Kyo. That is simply the title of the Lotus Sutra as the main mantra, the main teaching in order to unite with the Buddha's teaching, to, to understand the essence, to bring it inside. So as you see with, and also the ultimate form of meditation. So a lot of people think that Nichiren Buddhists do not meditate. That's not correct. Actually, the Daimoku is a form of meditation. And there are many traditions within Nichiren Shu, all based on the Lotus Sutra. However, what Nichiren Shonen's main point was, like a lot of the Kamakura Buddhists that you see, he was trying to make it um, both livable for regular people and understandable uh, in that all beings, because the Buddha says in chapter 16, the only purpose for the Buddha's existence is how he's always thinking, how can I cause people to attain enlightenment? That is the only consideration that the Buddha has that upholds in order for people his true wish, his true uh, thesis, uh, thesis is that is shown in the Lotus Sutra that his only thought is that may all beings attain enlightenment and thinking how to do it. So Nichiren and Shonen formalized that in the essence of the Odaimoku or great title. 
<laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So thank you so much. So I hear all the time, Nanmyo Horen Gekyo. It's almost become Japanese uh, cultural, uh, not icon, but a cultural message. Like, you know, you hear everywhere, including TVs and the people take it for granted. But I don't think uh, uh, many people know about uh, what that really means unless you are in the tradition. So please tell us a little bit about the Namiho Rengekyo. Sure. Uh, also the pronunciation. So oh. a lot of times in modern, if you, if you look at the Chinese characters, there's no character Nam. It's Namu, right? So uh, the two of them coming together means uh, honor be or respect to upholding. So in most Buddhist traditions, in Chinese, you hear Namo, uh, the Japanese pronunciation being Namu, uh, the idea in Japan, Namas, which means like to uphold or understand, and Myoho Renge Kyo. Myoho Renge Kyo is simply the title of the Lotus Sutra. So to simply explain these characters of Myoho Renge Kyo, it's important to understand why the Buddha named the Lotus Sutra Myoho Renge Kyo. Because interesting thing, the Buddha symbolized the Lotus Sutra with a flower, okay? And why, if you look at all of Asia, that Lotus flower is a symbol of enlightenment or clarity. And so the Buddha Nichiren Shonen said that within the sutra, it shows that the Lotus flower grows in the muddy water, right? And even though it's in a muddy pond, it grows and it's not contaminated by the mud. However, it's interesting it gets its nutrition from the mud. So like this world, people think this world is dirty and want to go somewhere else when they pass away. However, uh, Nichiren Buddhists believe the pure land is here. This is the land of the eternal Buddha, here and now. So therefore, in the somewhat dirty aspects of the world is the greatest nutrition for enlightenment. That is characterized uh, by denge, which means lotus flower. Myoho, means the great universal law. So myoho meaning the universal law means the natural law. Some people have called it the mystic law, but that seems a little bit too, you know, uh, too spiritual in that way, but the, the wondrous law in saying the natural law. So that means the reality of all things, the universal law. And then denge, of course, is lotus flower, and kyo means sutra. So that is the meaning of the Daimoku. And Namu Myo Horenge Kyo was the expression that Nichiren Shonen chanted uh, for the first time in uh, 12, uh, uh, 1253, uh, which is the founding day of Nichiren Shu. They say April 28, 1253, uh, before giving his first lecture. And in that, he was expressing, because again, essence is what we're talking about in the Lotus Sutra. He was expressing his upholding of the, teacher, the teachings of the Buddha, which was an amazing action that people could do. Because if you look at most Buddhism, it's really complicated. So a lot of people have to spend many years in sitting meditation, etc. But Nichiren Shonen said, according to the Buddha's teaching, which is also found in the Lotus Sutra, that when one upholds the Lotus Sutra as their ethics, as their belief, as their life, just like the Lotus, it begins to grow and, themselves, and they are able to uh, manifest the essence within the words, Namu Myoho Renge Kyo. I take refuge in Myoho Renge Kyo, the wonderful Dharma uh, teaching of the Lotus Flower Sutra. Thank you very much for that. Uh, yeah, you talked 
uh, talk about a little bit uh, Nichiren, uh, Reverend Nichiren. Uh, please, please tell us a little bit more about the uh, Reverend Nichiren. Uh, we want to know more about him. And what, what, what was he doing? Well, that's a really interesting question because you want to talk about one of the most colorful figures of Japanese history. Nichiren Shonen always seems to come up either about himself or his followers or the tradition in which he inspired. That's, that's really interesting. As you said, you see the Daimoku chanted in many movies and different places, etc. Now, asking that question about who was Nichiren Shonen, uh, it's interesting because what an interesting character. Uh, Nichiren Shonen first, and this is one of the reasons I became a Nichiren Buddhist, is very important besides just talking about his life, understanding what was the point of his life. And that entire point was one question. What was the Buddha's true teaching? What was the Buddha's true essence? He really wanted to know because he didn't come from a long line of uh, priests and uh, aristocracy, which as you know, at that time, uh, you had to be part of some kind of aristocracy in order to practice Buddhism. It wasn't just you wanted to go to a Buddhist monastery and you decided to study uh, that you could be admitted. It wasn't that easy. So Nichiren and Shonen always said to the time he passed away, I was born to a fisherman. So Nichiren and Shonen himself was born uh, in 1222, and his father uh, was a fisherman. However, they believed that he was probably a lower class samurai because during that time in Nichiren Shonen's uh, life, he was a very interesting child in which he had lots of questions. And it was, it was fascinating how he uh, wanted at a very young age to study Buddhism. So at a very young age, probably according to some custom, he was brought to a Buddhist temple because most Buddhist temples were places of education. So. Uh, the educated class would use temples to become educated and, for, and perhaps uh, Buddhism, uh, how to read, how to write, uh, Confucianism, etc. And so Nichiren Shonen entered as a very young person, as a young man. And the interesting point with this one question that I said, what is the true meaning of Buddhism? He went beyond the small little temple of his area. He went to the major temples like Mount Hiei uh, and also to other traditions temples. So he actually studied most of the, the, the basic traditions at that time, including Tendai, uh, Zen, uh, uh, Shingon, those kinds of teachings. He studied that. Because when people look at Buddhism now, they think of it as a secular. The Japanese Buddhism specifically is very secular. Uh, but at that time, it wasn't such that uh, you could go anywhere to study. And as he developed himself with the sincerity, because Nichiren Shonen I was always, is always seen as the character of sincerity, because he kept this question throughout his life. And even when he became famous, he didn't lose that question. He kept practicing. And as he grew, he challenged the Buddhist uh, institution itself. That's a really important part of Nichiren uh, Shonen's character. That's why sometimes he's misunderstood as a um, perhaps a loudmouth. Because when I met Nichiren Buddhists, they portrayed Nichiren Shonen as somebody who would just yell at other Buddhists and tell them that they were wrong and just a difficult person, right? <laughs> but actually, 
uh, when I studied, that is not the case at all. Uh, he was a very pure person who had a question. And it was interesting. He, whereas many of the other traditions uh, founders came from very high families, Nichiren Shonen said, I was the son of a fisherman, which is quite significant because fishermen were considered uh, untouchables because they took life, which of course, in the guise of Japanese society, is seen as something uh, perhaps uh, negative. So therefore, kind of contamination because one kills animals, etc., uh, for life and gives it to other people. So Nichiren Shonen always had this kind of uh, organic nature to him. And he went and he studied all the different traditions. And then finally, he came to the conclusion that the Lotus Sutra, and he, for the first time, uh, before his first, uh, how do you say, uh, sermon to his teacher, because when you went to study at these great temples, you were expected to come back and share information uh, with the congregation, especially the Lord. And uh, Nichiren Shonen, at that time, uh, chanted the Odaimoku for the first time, which he, well, they say for the first time, but where he proclaimed that that was going to be the, his soul, his uh, platform in which he was going to teach, was showing that he only had faith in the Lotus Sutra. And so he gave a lecture uh, in front of his teacher and in front of the Lord, in which the first thing he said, he criticized some of the other sects of Buddhism, especially uh, the Nembutsu, or Amida Buddhism, who prays to uh, Amitabha Buddha, uh, the Pure Land sect. Uh, because during that time, and that's what he was sent to uh, Mount Hiei, and he went around to say, what is the proper Buddhism to practice now? So he, of course, said that. And in that moment, his first sermon, not his second sermon or his third sermon, he was, uh, he was disowned by his teacher because he was speaking out against the Buddhist institution. And then he, within that lecture, was uh, attempted to kill him by the local lord who wanted him executed. And he was able to, you know, because back in the day, when you rock the boat, it didn't mean you went to jail or that people didn't like you, you were being executed. So that was the first time Nichiren Shonen, an attempt was made on his life and he escaped. And that wouldn't be the last. So one important part of Nichiren Shonen's, uh, how do you say, character is that constantly he would say what had to be said because of the kind of compassion that usually it would result in other Buddhists, which is kind of ironic, to try to kill him. Because you have to understand Buddhists at that time, especially the Buddhist institution, was a government institution. So temples were not just places of practice or prayer. They were government-sponsored uh, places of study and practice that were uh, by certain lords, etc., and even government offices where you would register birth, death, etc. And so Nichiren Shonen then uh, taught very severely in the streets. So he was a street preacher, which is really fascinating. But he was always up for debate, and it's people misunderstand, and that's where some one of the dangers of having such a great founder is that people try to pretend they understand Nichiren Shonen. And I think in doing that, that causes a huge disservice to his memory and his teaching because in, in, our, in most people's mind, they only think about the extremist of Nichiren Shonen, teaching and debating with other schools. 
And that shows how great and learned Nichiren Shonen was. But there was another side. Nichiren Shonen by far, uh, and this is why out of many of the teachers that existed, there are so many letters, original letters of Nichiren Shonen uh, that have been kept because they were so important and sacred. And they were written, a lot of them were written to lay people, which wasn't really the norm. And also, as I said before, to women in general. And that's a really important part because a lot of, like, people don't understand the inequality of women at that time and the Buddhist institution. Uh, it's still now we have the problem, but Nichiren Shonen supported and wrote many letters to support women, especially of all different uh, backgrounds. And so there's this really warm, kind, almost, you know, instead of that really hard, uh, strong character was tempered by this really emotional uh, being who would cry with people. You know, it's really, it's really fascinating because usually the way we, we don't see such a human element to a lot of Buddhist teachers because they show them as this enlightened being and that's what they are and we don't know anything about their personal life, etc. But Nichiren Shonen is this really human example of somebody uh, who uh, is devo devout to answering a question and also compassionate. So with his severity was also this really, really gentle character. And that gentle character was one that even of those people that he criticized that were members of the other sect, he took care of them. And so that's why uh, Nietzsche and Shonin is such a complex, interesting character. And, and that's the reason why I became a Nichiren Buddhist because I was just so impressed with his sincerity. Wonderful. Uh, you explained to us uh, uh, more than that I ever expected, you know. Uh, thank you so much. So, uh, uh, so uh, I hear about the Gohonzon. Uh, in the Nichiren Shu, what is, what is Gohonzon? Uh, Gohonzon in different tradition could be statues, but what is Gohonzon for uh, Nichiren Shu? Well, usually Honzon is considered like the main object of veneration. That's the meaning of Honzon when people hear. Gohonzon is the honorific Go, which means a, a very special Gohonzon, the great Honzon, which is interesting because this is again some misinformation about Nichiren Buddhism. So, of course, uh, most people think, of course, chanting the Daimoku and the Gohonzon. And the Gohonzon, of course, is really fascinating because Nichiren Shonen, this was, all, this was one of great, the greatest contributions of Nichiren Shonen was that on a piece of paper, he inscribed basically the entire uh, order of the Lotus Sutra in picture form using uh, the Japanese kanji. And, basically making a picture in the, concerning the ceremony and the air, which is actually the great event that happens in the Lotus Sutra. So important thing that happens in the Lotus Sutra is that from underground, right? So again, as I stated, Nichiren Buddhists believe this world is the eternal Buddha's pure land. So we're not thinking about going somewhere else. This is where we get our practice. This is where uh, we manifest our clarity. So in the Lotus Sutra, as the Buddha is teaching, as he reveals that he is an eternal Buddha, because the, the people in his audience, of course, are his current disciples. And suddenly, 
these bodhisattvas come out from under the ground, from the earth, which is a very important symbolism in the Lotus Sutra about this world being the pure land. And those bodhisattvas emerging from the earth is the most important event in the Lotus Sutra where the Buddha was saying, these are my original students from the remotest past, from the eternal past, and they've been studying with me. And of course, the crowd had never seen these, these beings before. And so therefore, even his greatest students that he had were stunned because the Buddha said, I'm going to give you the real essence of my teaching. And they asked him and they asked him. And then, of course, when he gave it, they didn't believe him because that challenged their attainments. They said, okay, wait a second. So what you've taught me, I don't understand it because where did these bodhisattvas come from? So Nichiren Shonen took that main teaching and symbolized the uh, great event of the stupa in the air in which you have the historical Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha, and you have the, the past Buddha called Taho Buddha. And Taho Buddha is the Buddha that these two Buddhas, when they come together, to show the present and the past, showing the eternal nature of the Buddha. And this Buddha saying, what Shakyamuni Buddha is teaching is true. Kind of, you know, it's very important in Japanese, in, in ancient literature, to show this kind of uh, example of verifying the truth, rather than just one person saying it. So Nichiren Shonen, as a great pictograph, pick, uh, formally inscribed the Gohonzon. And there was a process because Nichiren Shonen's original Gohonzon were very simple with Namu Myoho Renge Kyo. And of course, he had a while till he uh, revealed his greatest masterpiece, which was the, uh, what we call the Gohonzon. And again, each tradition follow, has different Gohonzon. But Nichiren Shu, we use Nichiren Shonen's original Gohonzon uh, for our practice. And so therefore, a lot of times people think of the Gohonzon as a magic piece of paper uh, in which you get, and then therefore it is the great giver of magic and anything that you wish comes true. But the mandala is a great representation of our faith uh, uh, and of Nichiren Shonen's enlightenment and, uh, how do you say, uh, thesis of the Lotus Sutra. So there is actually a really great tradition behind it. And it is not, Nichiren Shonen didn't give everybody a Gohonzon. That's, a, that's an interesting misunderstanding that people have because as a priest, people always ask me, can I have a Gohonzon? Can I have a Gohonzon? And the Gohonzon for Nichiren Shu Buddhists is a symbol of our faith. So usually under a guide or a teacher, uh, at a certain point in one's practice, when they've shown that they understand the teachings and have a certain amount of faith, then they're given the Gohonzon as a representation of that transmission between the teacher and student. That is the Nichiren Shu, uh, and linking them with uh, Nichiren Shonen, uh, Minobu-san, and even Mount Tiantai in China, and ultimately Mount Sacred Eagle, where the Buddha taught the Lotus Sutra in India. So it's kind of a connective uh, document, I would say. Wow, so it doesn't mean anybody can just uh, uh, go to the store and get it, huh? Well, actually, you can buy them <laughs> at stores. Uh, but, you know, the important thing is, it's really like you can buy any butsuzo at the store, any statue at the store. But the important thing is the spirit that is put into it. And 
that is what Ichiro and Shonen said, because it's important. There are many, uh, we call it eye opening. So it's the opening of the eyes of the statue, and which is a very important uh, tradition in Ichiren Buddhism. Same with opening the eyes of the Gohonzo. Uh, that means that we put into it the voice of the Buddha. So the Buddha itself has 32 uh, marks. 31 of them are physical, like a physical body, touching the knees, the long earlobes, the spokes on the hands, etc. The 32nd is his voice. So that is why the Lotus Sutra is chanted. And that's why it's proclaimed as such. And when using the Lotus Sutra, it opens it as the essential teaching of the, the Lotus Sutra itself. So, uh, and the eternal Buddha is enshrined within that. Mm, wonderful. So it seems like uh, you said, you know, uh, Gohonzon, uh, you guys use characters, uh, kanji. So why characters are more important than, let's say, a statue? Well, in Nichiren Buddhism, Nichiren Shu, the Honzon can be made of statues. So oh. there are Nichiren Shu Honzon that are completely statues with a Gohonzon. So this is a big, uh, this is an important part that is important to explain about Nichiren Shu Buddhism. We use statues extensively. That's why if we were at uh, my temple in Seattle, we have an early Edo huge statue of Nichiren Shonen, very big. And also behind me in the shrine is actually a statue of Kishimojin, which is the devil mother, the ogress uh, of the Lotus Sutra, who vows to protect practitioners of the Lotus Sutra. And enshrined in, in that is the statue that is from the, uh, one of the Dayaragyo or the ascetic training of Nichiren Buddhism. Uh, so it's, that's one of the contentions between some modern schools and Nichiren Shu is that all, some of them only use the Gohonzon, but Nichiren Shu uses a large variety of statuary and Gohonzon together. The most important thing is that it symbolizes the ceremony in the air of the Lotus Sutra. That's the most important element. And that is based on the Lotus Sutra. So we can use statues or, or paper Gohonzon, et cetera, uh, to symbolize that in Nichiren Shu. Wonderful. So yeah, somebody told me that uh, in Nichiren uh, Buddhism, they don't use the statues, but you know, it seems like uh, uh, this person is wrong or, you know. Uh, he's, not, he's not wrong. Uh, there are some <laughs> traditions, not, and, and again, this, this is the large variety of Nichiren Buddhism. So um, in some different sects that are not Nichiren Shu, uh, they use, uh, they, they, that is their stance, though it hasn't always been that way. Uh, historically, lots of traditions change their stance sometimes based on severity and also political situations, etc. But pretty much throughout Nichiren, Shu, Nichiren Buddhism, they always use the statue. And that's, I, I'm going to share with you something really interesting. When Nichiren Shonin was alive, he carried with him a statue of Shakyamuni Buddha. Oh. Interesting, because this statue is really famous because there was a famous lord that was uh, sick, a provincial lord, and Nichiren Shonen went and chanted the sutra and healed him, and as a gift uh, for that uh, to be healed, to be um, cured, he gave Nichiren Shonen a statue of Shakyamuni Buddha, in which he carried around for him till his death. So that's one of the the kind of 
problems with saying that Nichiren Buddhists don't uh, use statues because Nichiren Shonen did. Uh, you know, the most important thing is, is that, as I said, that it's based on the Lotus Sutra. So I've seen uh, statues that are particularly, and this is the idea of eye-opening ceremony, which I'm sure you talked about with statues, that any statue, if it fits a certain standard, you know, it's not a knick-knack, it's an actual uh, carved statue. And, and, and as you know, with statuary, the amount of time, like treating wood, they let the wood sit in the forest so that it doesn't crack. And then the special carvers put, you know, uh, carve the statue in, in very specific ways. So when I'm, a, as a priest, I look at the face because that face symbolized the essence of the Buddha. So if the face is kind of sideways or something like that, that's not appropriate for a honzon. However, when a statue is appropriate, we then do the eye-opening ceremony, in which, is, which is a tradition passed on from Nichiren and Shonin and, and actually taught about in his letters in which he talks about that actually statues and pictures uh, can be imbued with the Buddha nature and because it helps us in our practice. It supports us because when we see the Buddha, that's why most people become Buddhists because of the Buddha, the symbolic, symbolic nature of the Buddha and even Nichiren and Shonen, those are very recognizable statues. Somebody said to me once, well, don't you get offended that people put the Buddha in their yard, etc." Actually, it's, it's fascinating to me that even I met people who are very devout Christians that had a statue of Buddha in their house that gave them joy because of the peaceful nature. And so people place the Buddha sometimes outside under the tree or in their garden where I believe the Buddha uh, needs to be because it's a symbol of peace. However, a, a religious statue, a honzon, uh, something used for worship or practice or meditation is very specific. So, and we have that tradition in Nichiren and Shu. So I would have to say that some modern traditions specifically uh, are against that. I think because a lot of times they fight institutionalism and sometimes those kinds of things are seen as institutionalized practices. So they have their own, they believe kind of modern concept. Wonderful, wow. Uh, I got to know a little bit about the Nichiren and Shu today. I I'm so excited, so I cannot wait to share this video uh, with everybody. So, uh, I would like to know more about you or your organization, or you told me you are writing a book. So, uh, please, tell us. Sure, yeah, you know, I, I've been studying Nichiren Buddhism, I've been studying Buddhism most of my life. Uh, and I've always, as a first-generational Buddhist, I mean, some people say in Japan, that is the Buddhist coming in, uh, you know, through the back and not through the front. That I'm not, I don't come from a priest family. Uh, my family is not Buddhist, uh, was not Buddhist at the time, uh, though many of them have become that. You know, it, I, I wanted to answer the question, how can I experience Buddhism? And, and there was just something about Nichiren Shonen's teaching and even the organization of Nichiren Shu that just really fascinated me. Uh, because Organizations can sometimes be stifling, especially when you're searching or researching. But uh, the wonderful thing about Nichiren and Shu Buddhism is that they are such a variety of great teachers. So whenever I had a question, either it is a historical question, which we have the great teachers and uh, uh, professors at Risho Daigaku University, 
or we had the great teachers and practitioners, the, the Dai Aragyo, the 100-day ascetic training, uh, and all of these different meditations and traditions, because yes, Nichiren Buddhists do meditate, which a lot of people just think we chant, but that's not, that's not correct. We have a variety of different traditions. And as a first-generational Buddhist, I wanted to understand how to improve my life, because I'm a Buddhist practitioner first and foremost. And that was through the teaching of uh, the Lotus Sutra. And then also with that, uh, Nichiren Shonen taught, according to older teachings, which he always uh, cites in his, in his letters and, um, how do you say, manuscripts, about the teaching of health and wellness. That Daimoku Namu Myoho Renge Kyo, and most specifically the manifestation of the Lotus Sutra, is in our lives, like a beautiful lotus flower, growing to our full potential, being healthy and sound in body and mind, and giving off a great, beautiful fragrance to the world that we can share and make other people happy. So the goal making this world a pure land. Uh, so therefore, in my studies, I realized the connection uh, historically that Buddhism is a form of yogic practice. You know, the Buddha was a yogi, hence his word Shakamuni. Muni is the title of a great yoga, yogi physical practitioner, and Buddha is his enlightenment. So that's why we use the whole phrase Shakamuni Buddha. And with this, I wanted to give people the idea of how to experience Buddhism experientially in their life by changing, and that actually we in Nichiren Buddhism have this amazingly deep tradition of these yogic uh, practices that bring about uh, healthy mind and body. Because sometimes Buddhism seems very ungrasped, uh, how do you say, unattainable. Because somebody made the comment about the Lotus Sutra, when you say enlightenment, nobody knows what that is until they attain it. And the path of the Buddha, no one knows when they're on it, except that we see the Buddha's teaching. So that's a very challenging practice or idea to embark on. So in our life, through our body, uh, we can learn to see through our body and through our mind and through our breathing and everything else, the manifestation and experiential Buddhism. So that, that's what I'm focused on. And that's the book that I'm writing on is experiential Buddhism through health and wellness. Okay. I can't wait to uh, actually take a look at it one day. I will send you a copy. That's my pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So, uh, so everybody, if you think this information is useful, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, and like me on my Facebook, because that's how we do it in the 21st century. So thank you so much, Reverend, for coming here.